You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Happy Friday, everyone. I hope you've had a great week. It's been a scorcher down here in Massachusetts. It was about 85 degrees on Wednesday. It was 80 on Thursday. And I'm dealing with the heat. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm a guy that does not deal well with the heat. But we're going to continue our conversation today with Mitch Wolf about the 2022 NFL draft. And we're going to look at a variety of other players because yesterday, if you have not listened, go back and listen. We chatted about the four offensive linemen. We talked about where, what round they could possibly get drafted in. Today, we're going to go through the rest of the roster. And if you're not aware of it, Boston College has a ton of players that could go in the NFL draft. So we're going to look at all of that and talk with Mitch Wolf about uh, his thoughts. But before we get into that, let's check into the news. Today's big news had to do with basketball as finally, after years and years of waiting and waiting and waiting, Boston College has a plan for an indoor practice facility. On Thursday morning, the school made a press release to talk about the new Hogue Basketball Pavilion practice facility, which is going to be built right off of Conti Forum. The Hogue family, I um, hope I get that right, it's Jay and Mikey Hogue, spent $15 million on a gift, aka donation, that will pr- uh, provide the basketball pavilion for men's and women's basketball. Now, the biggest takeaway, it's 10,700-foot gym that will be fully dedicated to basketball with six courts, instructional areas, and a main court that replicates the Conti Forum competition court. Also included will be a 40,000 square foot of basketball-specific space and include a 1,400 square foot nutrition center exclusively for basketball student-athletes with facilities of host for hosting teams, dinners, and events and study space. There's a 2,200 square foot strength and conditioning center that's open to the practice courts, a 1,400 square foot sports medicine center that includes an underwater treadmill and plunge pools for student-athlete re- rehabilitation, and 2,100 square foot locker rooms with dedicated lounges. This is a big deal for Boston College. And I know some of you are still waiting for them. Hey, I need to see Shovel in the Dirt. Well, this is about as close as you're going to get before they actually start working on it. They have the place. They know where they're going to do it. They have the money. You know, the Hogue family put the $15 million in uh, to complete the donations. I think they have $37 million now. Now, why is this a big deal? Because Boston College's facilities have lagged in almost every sport for the last 10 years. And credit to Boston College when it's due. They have done a nice job. The newer administrations, that would be Brad Bates up until Pat Kraft, have done a nice job of fixing that. And they, you know, they started with the Fishfield House. They did the baseball renovations. Now it's basketball's turn. And basketball, next to football, is the big one that they needed to make a big adjustment with because BC's basketball uh, facilities were atrocious. Now, if if you're not aware of it, the power gym is where they used to practice. That is completely inadequate. They had to share it with rec and intramural squads. It was just a mess. This is going to make a big difference for recruiting for Errol Grant. It's going to take a little while for it to build, of course. But once they get that up, you're going to see how big of an impact this is going to have on recruiting. We'll talk about more of this next week um, on the show. The other big news on um, 
Thursday had to do with basketball. Just a quick note, Andre Adams entered the transfer portal. He was one of those names that we didn't know what was happening with him, along with Fred Scott and James Karnick. Uh, Andre Adams never played for Boston College. He was a transfer from Southern Utah. He uh, th- that was BC was his third school. He's going to go on to his fourth school, so this kid's getting uh, some frequent flyer miles here. Uh, he never played for BC after tearing his Achilles in summer practice last year, and he was gone. So, I mean, I, I always thought it was 50-50 he was coming back. It's, it's a loss because I thought he'd be a good fit for Boston College, and especially with um, Earl Grant's push for defense. I thought, you know, from what I've read on on Andre Adams, it would be a good match, but, you know, whatever. They'll be able to find someone else in the transfer portal because there's now up to 1,600 players in the transfer portal. So just keep your eyes open on that. And the last uh, piece of news has to do with football. Now, football got three kickoff times for the 2021 season. We found out that the season's going to open against Colgate in that first game on September 4th at noon. That game will be on ACC Network. The next game that they announced was the Temple game. That's game three. And that is also a noon start. And that game will be on either ESPNU or ESPN2. We'll find out that as we get closer to that game. And then the final one is a game against Virginia Tech. I think it's in November. That is a 7.30 night game. So you get your first night game. It's a Saturday night game too, which is way better than uh, Friday night uh, games because if you're working, you can actually get to the game. That game will be on ESPN2 as well. So you get three of the games already timed timed out. We'll find out more about that as the season progresses. And before we hit the um, before we hit the next segment, I wanted to get into just quickly about women's lacrosse. Uh, they're playing today at noon against UNC, and it's a big game. It's Final Four, and I talked about it in yesterday's show. You know, UNC beat BC badly 21-9 earlier this year, but BC's playing the best game, uh, best ball of their of their season right now. And, you know, if if they can figure out a way to win this, you know, strap in, it's going to be an interesting weekend. So, good luck to the women as they take on UNC. But, we're going to jump into football in just a moment, but before we do, I want to just give you a little site news. Monday is Memorial Day, and we do not have a new show. It's a holiday. I actually get it off, and we will be back on Tuesday, so don't expect a new show. You know, a lot of the shows since uh, football and basketball have been over are evergreen, so if there's one that you missed, head back on and listen to it. We've talked all about, you know, all sorts of previews and reviews. Go back and listen to those if you're dying for some Locked On Boston College news. Uh, before we get into our next segment, let's talk about betonline.ag. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to do all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head over to the site now and use promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back. This is AJ Black. Again with me, I have Mitch Wolf. This is our second day. We are playing a game, and this one is going to be a little different because I'm just going to ask Mitch, and I'm going to guess. Uh, we're going to go through like 15 players in two segments, and this is going to be more of a rapid fire, um, hot, cold, and, and right on, on the queue with these players. So, Mitch, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, I'm not sure if we're going to play another fairy tale based uh, game, but I'm excited to get into it. So, um, I, well, you know what? We won't do the fairy tale game today. We're going to do yay or nay. 
<laughs> this one is going to be simple because some, for, at least for this first part, maybe we'll go back to the fairy tale for the third part because uh, the second part, excuse me, because these first ones are kind of shot in the dark. Now, because we have so many that we have to go through, Mitch, I'm going to limit how much you can talk about them. So keep it to like two or three sentences each. No promises, but I'll try. <laughs> All right. So Grant Carlson, the punter. Not Will he get drafted? drafted. He's nope. not going to. Yeah, no. Uh, what do you think about him as a punter? Just he's curious. not good. <laughs> not good. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing about punters, like, if punters are all huge. Like, they need to be like six four, six five, and you know, kick the ball deep. Grant Carlson is five eleven, and he doesn't kick the ball very deep. So, you know, that's it. Okay, great. So, Grant Carlson not punted. Um, Tate Haynes. Nope. And I, I'm, I've been confused by Haynes for years because you know he's a big recruit, NFL bloodlines, and just hasn't been able to break into this. Hasn't been able to get playing time, which is just. I'm shocked he didn't transfer this year, but nope, not getting drafted. Yeah, he, I've had my list of players that, you know, Bryce Sebastian just transferred or is in the Mm -hmm. transfer portal. He didn't surprise me. There's a few more names, and I I would have to say, and and this is, I could be totally wrong. T. Haynes is one that I'm waiting to kind of see if maybe something pops up. (laughs) Yeah, because like, I think he's from California, if I remember correctly. Correct, San Diego. Yeah, like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, so like, why, I don't understand why he wouldn't transfer like San Diego State or something, you know, where he might be able to play play that, whatever. Yeah. Yep. All right. Here's the here's one that we were joking about before because I think both of us have different views on him, <laughs> and, and many BC fans disagree with me on him too. Mike Palmer. <laughs> AJ, I'm, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a bet here, and I'm I'm, I'm can't believe I'm saying this. If Mike Palmer gets drafted, I'll get his jersey number tattooed on me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, and and I hate needles more than anything. Like. The COVID shot was terrible for me just because I, I can't stand needles. So, but if, if Mike Palmer gets drafted, I will get 18 tattooed on my shoulder because I know you like him and he seems like a great guy. He, I just can't think he's not a good football player. Okay. <laughs> we, got, we got Mitch on here just to be real with you. So, because uh, it's easier for Mitch because I got to sit there in, in, in rooms with Mike sometimes. So, I can't say things like that anymore. Brandon Barlow. Uh, again, another kind of vexing player. Like, you know, he's been solid at times. He's not getting drafted, but anyways, but, uh, you know, been solid at times, but, you know, hasn't been able to become a starter despite there not being, you know, great competition at the edge position. So, um, you know, maybe he could, he could have a big year. Um, we were kind of talking about this earlier. Like he was a big part of some of my BC dynasties in NCAA football. Um, but uh, I don't think in real life, not getting drafted probably. Yeah. I mean, he sh- he's shown spurts here and there, but I, I, I think when we're looking at defensive ends, that that's a position that I, obviously Jeff Halfley has been targeting in, in the recruiting portal. I mean, the recruiting trail, you know, Nito Ekpala, I've talked about on this podcast as a name. I, I'm really excited to see what he does. Um, but, I, you know, Barlow and Valdez have not really shown me that they could be much. And speaking of Bar- Valdez, let's talk about Marcus Valdez. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I, think, there's a, I think there's a chance. Um, because I, I know you're kind of an anti-PSS guy. Um, I, I'm, I go back and forth on them. I think that they're good at some things. They're not good at others. Um, I, but, I mean, PSF loves him, and, you know, he's a very stout run defender, which is surprising given his size. But, you know, he's not the most explosive pass rusher, and, you know, that's what you need to get really drafted. But I still think there's a decent shot. I think some team will like what he's, what he's able to do. He's a player I have just never understood. Like he has his moments and then other times he's just completely invisible. And yeah, um, the Wyatt Ray syndrome. Exactly. Oh, Wyatt Ray. Perfect example. Yep. So, okay. So we have those players now, Aaron Boomeri, could he be drafted? 
probably not. Um, just, just and mostly just because like he doesn't have that like deep leg. Like you know he's yep. obviously these you know BC fans are you know will sing Aaron Bermare's praises because he's brought some semblance of stability to the kicking position after many years of uh, turmoil and strife. But you know it, it, like he's good in the thirty to forty range. But once you start getting forty five plus, you know he's I don't I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I anecdotally I would say he's probably not very consistent there and. He's not the kickoff guy. You know, Danny Longwin still has that position locked up. Um, so, you know, in order to really make it in the NFL, you've got to be guys and kick it from deep. Yeah, so these were kind of our players that were near the bottom of our list. Well, let's continue on. Jamin Muse. Yeah, so, you know, Jamin Muse was a big part of the article that I wrote about BC's new defense in 2021. Um, uh, so I think he's going to be playing that safety, hybrid, safety linebacker hybrid role that excuse me, that uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa played for Notre Dame. And I think that he could be effective in that role. Um, but he's not obviously as explosive as JOK was. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's a chance for Jamin. But I think at the end of the day, his um, probably lack of, like, just athleticism and speed and ability to cover as, like, a normal safety, that probably is going to prevent him from uh, either getting drafted high or getting drafted at all. And I was actually, I was surprised. And, you know, I look at the stats and you just forget from last year, he led BC in interceptions last year, which I totally forgot about. Like every, he had three and I think the next person had one. Um, yeah. So he, you know, he's a, he's a good little player and um, does, does his thing. Now here's one I think that could be drafted, but maybe you're going to disagree. And I think he'd be a real late one just because of his size, CJ Lewis. Yeah, I have him like, and so like my note of him is that like flash some special potential with highly catches the vertical receiving threat, but he's kind of all, always seems to be kind of hurt to some extent, you know, and he's just not being that consistent player. So, you know, I think, and I'm not sure like how well he's going to test, you know, he's never been like that burner in terms of like just torching people down the field. So, you know, I, I'm not really sure what to, I, I, I think just because there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of holes to fill in with him. I don't think he's going to get drafted. Um, I feel the same way a little bit about Kobe White for different reasons. Um, you know, Kobe was obviously a big part of the passing game under the previous regime. Um, and he's actually from my neck of the woods uh, in central Pennsylvania. Um, so I'm always, I've always been a big Kobe White guy. But, um, you know, the injury is not good. But he's always been a pretty consistent possession receiver. So, you know, I think for both Lewis and White, they could be, you know, UDFA candidates this upcoming year. Okay, great. Yeah, you know, I'm interested to see like what White's going to look like in a like legitimate pass offense. Like, mm -hmm. you know, how many games did he have to play where they just kind of ignored him and or couldn't get him the ball? And mm -hmm. now to have someone like Phil Dracovic, and I don't know what he's going to play. You know, if he'll, you know, be if if obviously his leg is going to be an issue, and whether he's going to, you know, he he didn't practice during the spring. Will he be strong enough to get there for, for week one? We'll have to see. But I'm interested to see what he can do heading into next season. Absolutely. Uh, now, here's a player, and I'll tell you what I – I'll give you kind of my prediction of what's going to happen with him this season. I talked about it in the running back episode. Uh, Travis Levy, I don't think he's going to be a starter by the end of the year. <laughs> I think he's going to get probably replaced by um, Alex Singfield and Xavier Coleman. But what do you think about like, Travis Levy? I, I think that's definitely a possibility, you know. Travis Levy is kind of that, you know, he was, he's basically just Miles Willis 2.0, you know, can do everything. Um, maybe not elite at any one thing. Um, I watched some tape of Singfield. I'm like, okay, this guy's, this guy's definitely got the speed. Um, I think Levy's still going to have a role. You know, he's got that Swiss army, nice kind of capability and you know, running back wide receiver return skills, what have you. So, 
you know, I, I, I like him a lot, but I'm pulling for him to, you know, hold on to the job and be, you know, kind of have his breakout year late in his career. But, you know, as it stands now, probably not getting drafted. Could, could be a UDFA, could be UDFA, especially if he can contribute on special teams. I, yeah, I see him this year as a third down back. I think that, I mean, yeah. that's what he's always been, but that seems like that's the role for him. And, mm-hmm. yeah. it, and he does well with that. So that's our thoughts on Levy. All right. We have two more and then we're going to hit um, some other ones after the break. Isaiah Graham Mobley. I, you know, my th- initial thoughts, injury is a major issue with him. I don't know what he's going to be able to do with the full season. Cause I don't think he's played one in like three seasons. Yeah. I mean, I, I still haven't really gotten the chance to watch a lot of him, um, but you know, those injuries just gonna be killer. And like, kind of like we talked about with Max Roberts, you know, he's definitely gonna be an older prospect um, by the time the draft rolls around. So, and especially like Max Roberts, you know, didn't have that much of an injury history. He just kind of bounced around schools and everything, but um, man, uh, that's gonna be tough for Mobley. So like, unless he plays, you know, every snap this year and looks great, you know, I think that it's probably not, look, his outlook is not favorable. All right, and that we'll be back in just a moment. But before we do, let's chat a little bit about Built Bar. Built Bar is a delicious protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's 100% covered in chocolate and comes in nine delicious flavors. You can check them out at BuiltBar.com. I am a big fan of the coconut almond. Uh, my son just found, I was telling Mitch off the air, found my Built Bar box and has rated them, and I can't get him to stop eating things. I got to get him off of the Built Bars. I don't know if they're, you know, he's, a, he's, two, he's two and a half, but he thinks they're delicious too. Now, you know, you I like your kid bulking up and playing for BC. Yeah, I'm getting them, them ready to play a uh, <laughs> defensive tackle. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only four net carbs. That you cannot beat. It's a great afternoon snack. It's great to replace a meal. And the best part, it's good for a keto diet as well. And if you head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, this is AJ Black, and I am here with my staff writer, Mitch Wolf, who is, we're, we've been talking the last two days about the 2022 draft. We're in the midst of like summer talk. You know, there's women's lacrosse, which I'm excited about this weekend. They get a big game against UNC. But other than that, like sports are done. It's, you know, baseball f- faltered. Not much we can talk about that. Um, and football, we got a couple more months to go. And so we're kind of just talking about stuff. And if you're listening in the next few weeks, you'll hear more positional previews from me and things like that. And I'll explain more about that when we get there. Now, we our first group was, you know, kind of our um, fringy players, players that either have no chance of getting drafted or a small ch- or a very limited chance. Now, let's look at let's look at the guys that have the big chances. And I'm going to start first with the new guy. He was recruited. Um, Mitch wrote a whole scouting report on him up on uh, BC Bulletin. Uh, you can check that out. It's Trey Barry from Jacksonville State. Where do you think about him, Mitch? So I think that, you know, if Barry had just played another year at Jacksonville State, um, I think he probably would have been uh, a late a late day three pick. You know, there was already some buzz going on around him um, as basically just a, he's basically just a supersized wide receiver. But he does have some functional blocking ability, which is nice. Um, but, you know, getting to BC, that's going to give him a chance to perform against much better competition on a consistent basis. Um, like I wrote in the article, like I think he's going to be – much more of a move tight end that's going to be playing in the slot, playing wide receiver. Well, a guy like Spencer Witt is going to play in line. Um, but I, I think there's a chance, you know, he's it, this, this next year's tight end class looks pretty deep. Um, a lot of power five guys that are really, um, really going to be highly tattered prospects. But I think there's a chance Trey Barry could be kind of that late round small school um, 
sleeper guy. Like one of my favorite prospects in this year's draft was Zach Davidson, the tight end slash punter from Central Missouri, who went to the Vikings in the late fifth round. And I think that that could be kind of Trey Barry's path as well. I can't wait to see what he does. He just seems like an mm-hmm. exciting player. Mm-hmm. And adds another, uh, you know, dimension to this offense. So, uh, Trey Berry. All right, now let's go back to the defensive side. Uh, let's look at Boozy. Boozy and Wuka. Yeah. Um, so, Boozy reminds me of a guy um, from a few years ago named Puna Ford, who was a nose tackle from Texas, who was about the same size, you know, sub six foot, over 300 pounds, just a, you know, a fire hydrant or bowling ball or whatever short squat object you want to call him um, that just, you know, is able to sit in that a gap and cause wreak havoc. Um, and like you've been saying, you know, Boozy's gaining some weight. So he's going to be even stronger this year, which is great to see. Um, I, th- I can't exactly remember if Puna Ford got drafted, but he did get drafted. Um, so I think that that could be kind of, again, a similar path for Boozy. You know, I think he's going to have an even bigger year this year um, with how the defense is going to operate. So I'm, I'm optimistic for him getting drafted as a late day three guy. I, you know, I've liked the way, you know, of any guys on the offensive, a uh, defensive line the last two years, you know, Max Roberts had a spot, his time and he had a few plays here and there, but I thought Boozy consistently was probably the best defensive lineman that they had. Yeah. The only, the only thing I, I fault him for was switching from nine to 93. Like if you're a defensive tackle and you can get a single digit number, you got to hold on to that for dear life. <laughs> I loved that. I thought that was great. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? You can't you can't give that up. If, only if you switch to zero. That would be the only number change I would accept. And um, this is this should have been in the first list, but I honestly I forgot to put his name on there. And this is not a slight him. I have so many parents that sometimes I forget to put a player on something and I get an email from a parent like, Hey, you're trash on my kid. I told, I, t- I said in an article, I mean, on a, um, one of my shows that I've recorded for a future week, Josh DeBerry's parents think I hate him. And I'm like, I don't hate him. I think he's great. And there's other families out there that think the same thing. And I'm, so I know this family listens, so I'm sure I don't forget him. TJ Ram. Go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, he's pretty similar to Boozy. I think he was, you know, he, you know, we had the two transfers in last year, so he didn't get a ton of playing time. Um, I'm not sure how much field he's going to see with Boozy playing that role. And then I think we're going to have some of the other guys play the other tackle role. Um, so I, I liked Ram a lot. I thought he had some nice plays, you know, in the previous years. Um, but just, you know, it's limited just because of his size. He's not the most explosive athlete. So, you know, I, I think he's a good player for college. I'm just not sure that he's got – you know, everything that you need to be drafted in the NFL and play for a long time. All right. Speaking of Josh, <laughs> speaking of Josh DeBerry, um, he was one of the players that I thought had an, a breakout 2020 season. I uh, really showed a lot. Where do you, where do you see him going in, in the draft? If he goes. So I, I think the, does, I think the has got a few years of eligibility left, right? He's, he doesn't Correct. have to go. He doesn't okay. have to. I'm um, saying if he does go. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, th- I think I- I'd be very shocked if he does, unless like, you know, somebody goes down for the year and he steps in and it just lights out. Um, I- I- but so th- that's a little tough for me. I'd probably say like early day three, if he has that big breakout year. Um, but you expect him to stay. Yeah, I think so. Just because, you know, I- obviously um, Brandon Sebastian's kind of the number one guy. Um, and then DeBerry kind of rotates in with Elijah Jones, the outside corner spot, he rotates in at the nickel with Maytree. And then also, you know, the defense is going to change a little bit, I think, this year. So I just think that there's just, you know, he'll play in dime, dime packages, obviously. But I just, there's just not enough, you know, you can't have that many players on the field at any given time. So right. I think that he'll be back next year where he can get some more playing time. All right. Speaking of Brandon Sebastian, 
he definitely will probably be leaving after this year. I think he's out of eligibility, if I remember correctly. Um, where do you see him going? Yeah, I, I think similar. I think kind of similar, like uh, early day three range. I like Brandon Sebastian a lot. I think that, you know, he's been a really good player for a few years. Um, so, some people say, like, you know, he needs to be more consistent or he kind of needs to just show that next year for kind of his just game in, in general. Um, I think that he's going to be a nice day three picket corner, um, you know, their day three corners are always kind of weird. Like they're always just random ones getting picked. So, you know, he could be one of those guys, you know, I, I think he's a very good player. And I think that, um, you know, he's going to get drafted for sure. All right. So we have our top two and these are two players that could get, they could leave or they could stay. So it's going to be a two part question for you and I'll give you my thoughts um, on each one. And then you can agree or disagree with me. So we'll start with Zay Zay flowers. I think he's going to leave and I think he'll be a third round draft pick. Where do you have him? I think he could go higher. I think I think this. I think he could be a round two guy. I think that if he can be even better than he was this past year, just you know, being more consistent, making catches. You know, he had some bad drops, which is frustrating. Um, you know, I think that round two is definitely in the cards. Like I've seen his name around football and draft Twitter a lot. A lot of people really like him. Um, and you know, he's 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 not just you know. There's guys like Tutu Atwell who got drafted in the second round, which everybody was confused by. Who was just like, well, this guy can run fast, but that's literally it. Like, Zay Flowers is a lot more than that. Like, he can obviously burn you deep, but he's he's got decent hands. Um, his, of course, yeah, him after the catch is incredible. Just the way he's able to, you know, stop and start on a dime is, is elite-level stuff. So, you know, I think that he's probably going to be a second-round pick if he has another big year. All right. And do, and do you think he's going to go? If he has a big year, probably, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then finally – the big question, this is the one that everyone's going to want, I think is going to be the conversation all season long for Boston College fans. Phil Dracovic, I say that he goes. I think he's going to be gone after this year. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to be crazy here, I think he's going to have a big season and it's going to be a first-round draft pick. Yep, you're right. I think so, too. Um, and, again, I've been seeing a lot of chatter on him recently. This quarterback class is very weird because, you know, this past year we had, you know, kind of five guys like, okay, these are the five top guys. You know, you can quibble a bit with, who's, you know, number two or three or whatever. And you have people like Chris Sims trolling with their ridiculous rankings of people. Um, but this next year is really up in the air. Like you've got Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, Keaton Slovis, uh, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Phil Dracovic, obviously. Um, just a bunch of guys that are all interesting, but they all have their own flaws and they all need to kind of correct them this year to, to become surefire first round picks. You know, Jerko's obviously he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, he's got a cannon for an arm. Um, he's just got to be, get better at, you know, making good decisions consistently and kind of maybe improve his like short area and, and mid area accuracy. You know, a lot of people are comparing him to big Ben as a Steelers fan, comparing him to how big Ben was when he was young, the comparison could not be more apt. You know, Ben was actually a wide receiver for most of high school, uh, because the coach's son was the quarterback. And then Ben finally got a shot and became the quarterback. Um, and I see a lot of similarities between young Ben uh, and Phil Dracovich. All right. So that's our conversation for the draft. Mitch, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Um, like I said yesterday, or we talked about yesterday, um, just published a piece about how DC might be transitioning into a hybrid 4-2-5 defense. Um, ideally this summer, I'm going to be getting my hands on some more tape and some books about, you know, uh, the intricacies of how defenses are run and hopefully I can read those and watch some more film and I can go even more in depth and be even more esoteric for 
our Absolutely. interested audience. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love having Mitch on the site because Mitch can give you that in-depth, uh, you know, X's and O's stuff that I, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I'm not good at that stuff. So Mitch, thanks for coming on today. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Awesome. Great. And if you like our podcast, make sure to check out Locked on Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski. It is a 20-minute podcast that gives you all the day's news in a nice little succinct format. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. You can find our podcast as well anywhere you look. And you can find us on Twitter at LockedOnBC. You can find me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. And my work is all up at BCBolton.com. We have a new premium service. It's only a dollar for the first month. And it's a cup of coffee for every month after that. If you sign up, you get exclusive scouting reports. You get recruiting news. You get access to our Discord channel where I give you uh, recruiting tidbits. Hope you check that out. We have a big burgeoning community, and we're going to be continuing to add to that. So if you want to check that out, go to bcbolton.com. You can find all the info over there. Uh, For Mitchell Wolf, this is AJ Black. I'll see you all again on Monday. Take care, everyone.